Good afternoon. Welcome to our Czech Center's podcast project. It's a series of interviews with leading Czech personalities living around the world, which looks at the social, political and economic implications of the coronavirus pandemic and the times that follow after the lockdowns were released. With our guests, we are trying to analyze the current situation and the way it affects society, but we are also trying to look into the future to the way our lives might change. Our first interview, thanks to the quarantine done over the phone and recorded at the end of May 2020, takes us to the United Kingdom, to Jiří Přibáň, director of the Centre of Law and Society at Cardiff University. Hello and welcome. Hello from Wales. <laughs> How are you? Um, I'm fine, still under the lockdown, and um, uh, but the weather is uh, gorgeous these days, uh, uh, so it's not the usual Welsh rain, so one shouldn't complain. <laughs> <laughs> How are you managing in the current situation? Um, it's um, uh, it's quite uh, difficult here in Wales because um, uh, measures taken by the Welsh government are tougher than uh, uh, measures taken by the Westminster government. Uh, and because we have devolution, uh, we are still allowed only uh, um, uh, and exer- uh, more exercises per day, uh, and uh, but we still cannot congregate uh, outside as uh, people in England do these days. How has the coronavirus affected your professional life? Um, uh, I think uh, I'm uh, in a better position than uh, many uh, my fellow citizens are, but uh, it's because uh, as university professor you actually enjoy lockdowns, uh, uh, metaphorically speaking, because you want to have time to read and write uh, undisturbed uh, by other commitments, other uh, duties. So for me, the life hasn't changed that much, uh, but uh, it's only one aspect of my work. Uh, uh, The other is, uh, of course, students and teaching, and this has uh, uh, completely changed uh, for me. So my work didn't change and changed uh, profoundly at the same time. (laughs) Do you enjoy as it is now or is it becoming now more stressful it is of course a lot more stressful because uh, this absence of uh, social life um, uh, again uh, i cannot complain uh, we have a small garden so uh, we can uh, we can be outside with my family uh, but not meeting anybody else and doing uh, all teaching online uh, is uh, quite uh, distressing and uh, i never expected uh, I, i never thought how much i would be missing the real physical contact with uh, uh, my colleagues my students uh, of course our friends not speaking of our friends and uh, people in the neighborhood or just simply uh, taking a stroll in park Going back to your professional life, um, how do you see the future through the lens of your profession, but equally in in also other professional areas? You already tapped into it, um, the the, um, online learning sort of bit, um, but maybe something else as well. 
Uh, yes, it's uh, as uh, um, you and your listeners probably know that uh, uh, universities uh, in the UK and around the world are uh, one of the most affected uh, institutions of uh, um, uh, yeah, public learning, gathering, and uh, uh, the whole system of university uh, teaching is based on the idea that people from all around the world uh, come together, sit together, live together, and learn together. And all this um, has suddenly collapsed. So uh, with this, um, I, I don't want to touch economic implications, which are terrible, of course, but uh, even uh, in terms of our uh, methodology of teaching, uh, our routines, our practices, everything um, uh, has turned uh, into online and uh, it uh, requires very different skills, very different approach and uh, uh, I would never expect that uh, it takes much uh, longer time than uh, my preparations uh, for ordinary classes. So, um, and this will last uh, for uh, semesters, maybe years, academic years to come. And do you think um, this is a new way of learning, basically? Do you think it will be, let's say, at some point it will turn into half Uh, you know, coming personally into school physically and half being taught online. If we um, have uh, learned something from the coronavirus crisis, uh, I think uh, it proved that uh, the real contact, the uh, physical, uh, the, the physical meeting, teaching in uh, real places is irreplaceable by uh, online methods. Online is great for some things, but online um, teaching, online communication can never replace um, uh, the uh, real experience of university uh, teaching and learning. And uh, uh, it's absolutely clear that uh, uh, universities cannot simply replace uh, real courses with online uh, courses and uh, claim the same uh, fee tuition. Students wouldn't love it. Uh, um, uh, I wouldn't love it as teacher and uh, I think society society would find it unacceptable that somewhere out there in the virtual reality you can get a degree and that's it. Hmm. And do you think this will uh, in a similar way affect any other areas um, in, in the business basically and in other professions? Oh, of course. Yeah, it's uh, um, it's uh, the coronavirus uh, transformed the whole concept of uh, economy, especially uh, knowledge economy, and also globalization, globalized chains of production, of uh, uh, invention, and technological uh, advancement. Uh, all this is uh, now with uh, big question marks. So. For those uh, businesses that uh, uh, can go online, it's a big um, uh, evidence uh, and bonus uh, for their future operations. Uh, think of Amazon, think of online retail, um, uh, and uh, it's, um, uh, it's fine. Uh, 
even for universities, for our research, uh, we had to uh, re, uh, rethink how we conduct our research and realize how much we can do online without going to a conference, without going for a special research trip. So that aspect of academic work um, will be um, uh, uh, reconfigurated, uh, certainly yeah, the, the idea of uh, international conferences, workshops, uh, most uh, oh, oh, a great number of it uh, will go online. But uh, you have other businesses which simply cannot go online, which are uh, based on physical soci uh, sociality, meeting of, uh, meeting of people face to face, such as tourism, 10% of the European economy, and uh, it's gone. So the ways it will return uh, will be different, will be affected, and uh, uh, a lot of businesses uh, will suffer and uh, go under. What do you think about the office space? London is famous about having so many offices and so many skyscrapers, basically. Uh, do you think it will affect them as well? Can, let's say, these buildings be turned into, into normal housing? Um, definitely, this is one option, but uh, I want to warn against... Uh, uh, great optimism among those who hope for some uh, house uh, uh, accommodation availability um, uh, at the expense of uh, office spaces because uh, another thing we learned from coronavirus uh, crisis is that home office is uh, neither home our office in that uh, this blend of private and public uh, uh, is uh, actually one of the big causes of uh, uh, distress and anxiety and um, you have to be able somehow to um, make a distinction and clear cut between your uh, work and your life and uh, even physically not just mentally so Uh, I don't think, I, of course, some office space will go, but I don't think that you can move millions of um, uh, jobs uh, simply from office spaces uh, to homes because uh, um, uh, this is not... Uh, the way companies uh, can operate and employees can uh, efficiently work. It's no coincidence that, for instance, uh, universities working under lockdown uh, implemented extra so-called well-being days when uh, you shouldn't answer any email and uh, you shouldn't be in any administrative communication. Hmm. From what you are saying, um, you are... Um almost saying that at some point we will go back to where we were used to be and what we have learned through this crisis we will take for our benefits but it won't be that much in your case it might be the research you know without traveling or maybe less time spent in the office but we are still going to be going back to the offices is is that correct uh, translation of your of what you are saying 
Uh, uh, life won't be the same. Yeah, that's that's for sure. Yeah, that uh, um, a lot of things will change. Uh, uh, economy will change, uh, for instance, because it's clear that uh, uh, now some businesses, some industries will be declared strategic and will have to move from um, uh, far east back to Europe. For instance, pharmaceutical production. Uh, but uh, um, you know, so um, yes, we will experience significant change. Changes uh, in uh, our uh, economic, uh, business uh, life, in our work, in our homes, but we shouldn't expect uh, that it will change so dramatically that all of a sudden uh, office spaces in London and other um, uh, big cities, big hubs of uh, the latest uh, um, uh, industry and industrial and technological advancement uh, uh, will simply vacate and will be converted into uh, um, flats and condominiums so uh, I wouldn't expect a, a profound a fundamental social a change in uh, social life uh, as regards the difference between work and uh, uh, personal life how do you think the coronavirus will change politics and the way states and countries are governed it already has changed. Yeah, look at Europe and um, uh, look at how many different uh, uh, approaches uh, different governments um, opted for. And um, even we have one example, uh, Hungary, which in which um, uh, the first victim of coronavirus uh, was uh, the remaining. Uh, bits of democracy, yeah, because democracy was uh, on um, in, in intensive care uh, for a long time in Hungary. Anyway, but uh, uh, the temptation for uh, power grab. Um, is there, will be there, and any state of exception, uh, including uh, the state of exception uh, related to corona crisis, uh, uh, is um, uh, is out there. So um, uh, I always warn against uh, another virus in this crisis, the virus of absolute power. The temptation will um, uh, be coming back to us uh, in the coming years. but. But to end on um, an optimistic note, uh, uh, even populists and autocrats uh, 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 require and are dependent on scientific knowledge here. So they are not that powerful and uh, they have to be cautious because in the end uh, the public anger can turn against them. You already mentioned Hungary. What other countries do you think are close to turning into authoritarian regimes? Um, it's uh, clear that authoritarian regimes have been using uh, the current crisis uh, or trying to use the current crisis to their benefit. Look at China and how it behaves, how it bullied not just um, uh, the Czech government, uh, which acted uh, pathetically, but uh, even big governments of France, of uh, Germany, how they demanded uh, uh, public expressions of gratitude and uh, uh, how they 
they are basically launching um, uh, an economic boycott uh, if any country dares to challenge the Chinese way of handling the corona crisis uh, and uh, look at Australia for instance so uh, there is um, uh, uh, a clear global um, element uh, to the pandemic uh, which is how much uh, um, can China abuse the current crisis. Uh, there are other countries uh, around the world, if you look at uh, Bolsonaro's Brazil, for instance, uh, this could be uh, an example of how a populist leader uh, um, simply miscalculates um, his chances and odds and uh, uh, actually can be ousted in uh, public uh, anger. And uh, I could go on like this but uh, staying in Europe definitely under the guise of um, uh, um, uh, fight uh, uh, for security, safety of uh, the population, uh, yeah, the pop uh, politicians will, will try to tighten um, uh, the control over it. And um, you mentioned already some countries around the world, but in Europe, aside of Hungary, do you think there is any other country which is close to become an authoritarian regime? Uh, clearly, uh, Poland is another example, but uh, the Polish situation is different. So, uh, for instance, uh, uh, the push uh, for a presidential election uh, under exceptional circumstances uh, backfired, and uh, uh, because uh, because the uh, Polish uh, government doesn't have the constitutional majority, unlike uh, Prime Minister Orban, and uh, it's. Uh, its steps uh, taken to uh, uh, basically uh, eliminate opposition um, uh, are met with much stronger public resistance. So I think it's uh, um, yeah uh, the it's the other country of uh, the European Union which is under the immediate risk of turning into an authoritarian regime uh, but uh, it wouldn't be caused by the coronavirus uh, uh, crisis itself because it existed before and the coronavirus can only speed it up like in the case of Hungary where today um, uh, the government declared the end of the state of emergency. Nevertheless, uh, the cost is extremely uh, um, is extremely high and exceptional. That the army controls uh, uh, enterprises, uh, uh, the um, uh, criminal co uh, the criminal prosecution is uh, targeting um, uh, critics uh, of uh, uh, the government and not those who spread fake news. News and uh, um, yeah, uh, the uh, the state of democracy base in Hungary basically collapsed. Going back to European Union as such, do you think EU can actually survive? Um, I would use uh, a different. Uh, it, I would use 
must. <laughs> it must survive yeah, because uh, uh, it's uh, and it's interesting how things uh, have changed uh, uh, since the last crisis ten years ago. Ten years ago, European Union discussed what sort and limits of sol solidarity, social solidarity, economic solidarity should there be between the southern and northern parts of the Eurozone uh, with Greece, uh, with Italy and other uh, uh, heavily Spain, indebted. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, the debt and uh, uh, mutualization of debt, the debt, the union of debt. Uh, but today the question is entirely opposite. It's not a question of what is due because if you don't do the you if, if you don't go for the union of debt you basically killing the eurozone it's not a question of um, the shape it's a question of the very existence of uh, eurozone so uh, uh, and europe must survive because uh, the alternatives are much much worse um, um, just uh, earlier this week uh, we had a speech uh, by the chief of foreign affairs of the european union josep borrell who is no hawk uh, who is a very moderate politician and um, uh, uh, with um, uh, from the social democratic uh, um, um, uh, angle um, he declared that uh, the levels of interference uh, that china and russia uh, are doing with the uh, in the european union is frightening and the european union now without backing of the united states States because the United States under President Trump uh, has ceased to be a reliable partner and is becoming increasingly like uh, a business competitor. Uh, it, the European Union has to reassert its uh, pulling power um, in the world. So uh, without the European Union, this pulling power for individual states would be much less and they could easily uh, fall victim uh, fall prey to uh, other uh, powers. So European Union must survive and uh, let's hope it will survive. It's interesting because this is another threat to EU. It's the, it's the defense situation against Russia and China. Then you have got the, the very quickly coming recession, very deep recession and, and the, the life of the whole Eurozone. And then you have got the authoritarian regimes in Eastern Europe. So all those three things are from different angles threatening the whole union, isn't it? Yes, uh, uh, absolutely, and uh, and uh, even uh, the U.S.-EU relationship uh, isn't good anymore. So um, it's uh, it's a really challenging time, and I know it's a horrible cliche because every crisis is existential, and every crisis is the biggest crisis. Uh, this is what journalists and politicians uh, have to say every time there is some crisis. But I think today we really face an unprecedented crisis uh, in the European Union and uh, we have to be critical because we mustn't be hypocritical we must be critical about the European Union and realize that uh, for instance the common currency 
didn't work the way it was designed and expected to work. Yeah, uh, for uh, because uh, the levels of debt in uh, southern states uh, are unbearable, and northern states don't want to realize that their prosperity is uh, uh, meeting uh, the southern uh, um, uh, um, eurozone countries' uh, recessions. So it's uh, um, it. Uh, the northern parts have to do something and very quickly. So it's a big responsibility for countries such as uh, Netherlands in particular, uh, which is the biggest opponent of the um, uh, so-called Corona bond uh, uh, policy of the European Central Bank, but also obviously Germany, Austria, um, uh, Finland, uh, that uh, uh, the things that have to be done will be painful. Whether they can be done um, uh, will be painful for the rich. So, uh, mm -hmm. to, uh, to relieve the pain of the poor, the rich will have to take uh, a bitter pill, uh, but it's absolutely necessary. The question is whether politically we are ready for it, and also uh, the legal framework, as we saw uh, in uh, the judgment of the German Constitutional Court uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, the legal framework uh, will be may be necessary to change, and it will require a lot of uh, goodwill and compromise all over. Europe. Do you think there is something what really needs to happen just now and can happen sim uh, similarly in some some countries, you know, in, in the same way in quite a few countries, let's say? Um, look, I'm not an economist and I don't want to pretend I, my, my economic knowledge uh, is good enough uh, to give any uh, 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 suggestions in terms of economic policy but one thing is clear that uh, uh, this crisis won't be uh, uh, resolved by markets only the state will have to step in it already did in all countries so um, uh, the, uh, the, the furlough scheme so-called Kurzarbeit in German uh, and uh, the level of investment, monetary policies will have to be eased and uh, uh, it simply uh, the levels of poverty will go up significantly. Only the state and big organizations, supranational organizations such as the European Union have the pulling power to deal with this poverty, to deal with uh, the rising unemployment and uh, uh, with uh, collapse of uh, whole industries uh, that we spoke about at the beginning of this conversation and uh, um, it's uh, absolutely necessary. However, however, and uh, every constitutionalist uh, will tell you there is a big question mark and exclamation mark at the same time. Will the state remain constitutional democratic state respecting rights and freedoms of its citizens or will it uh, uh, show this uh, tendency, historical tendency to expansion 
at expense of uh, individual freedom. So it's uh, it, it will be a big question for every politician, also for uh, judges and for citizens to realize where should the power of the state um, uh, stop be limited and uh, uh, controlled uh, by uh, courts and uh, other bodies. We saw it in uh, Czechia uh, during the state of emergency, and it worked. Yeah, the temptation to expand executive powers was met um, uh, with a swift response by administrative courts, and uh, but uh, it will be repeated uh, in the future and. Uh, uh, we must be alert. We must stay alert to the temptation of uh, politicians to expand their power within the state. And tapping into that, so we definitely economy and and political stuff that all is going to change. But how about the culture? Do you think that the role of the culture in the society can be changed by the pandemic? Well, uh, it's an interesting question. I always tell um, uh, my students that uh, the simplest, that, that there's hundreds of definitions of culture and meanings of what people mean by culture. Uh, but the, probably the simplest definition of culture is it's all those things we don't know that we know. Yes, so culture <laughs> is a reservoir of our practices, traditions, memories, and how we do things without realizing it. And uh, in that respect, uh, culture is much more resilient and resistant to sudden changes uh, such as um, uh, the pandemic. Uh, never uh, so, uh, and uh, I can give you historical examples that, for instance, during the classic age of um, uh, the city-state of Athens, uh, 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 they suffered um, uh, the worst um, uh, um, plague epidemic. Uh, so much population uh, died, uh, Pericles died, but the classic age of Athens uh, carried on flourishing and uh, um, uh, the culture flourished. Look at Middle Ages, um, during the time of plague and uh, quarantine, uh, you have Pocaccio and Decameron, you have uh, later Chaucer and uh, the Tales of Canterbury. So actually, maybe culture will benefit in one way or another uh, from this pandemic. And uh, I'm already looking forward to artworks and novels uh, reflecting on this time of uh, pandemic. And one thing that we definitely learned uh, is, uh, and it is um, uh, closely related to culture, is our treatment of uh, environment. Um, if you remember, we, we were talking, we live in the Anthropocene and uh, that humans uh, um, control everything. They are sovereigns of, uh, of natural resources. And, and see what the nature responded, uh, um, uh, how, how the nature responded. Uh, it, simply one small virus, something you cannot see, and the whole human civilization and culture is turned 
upside down. So I think if there is cultural uh, change, it will be how we treat uh, our environment and how we understand our position within the environment, that we are part of environment, we are not masters. We evolve with the nature as one culture. Absolutely. And do you think um, culture will still be one of the priorities of governments? Will they still be be willing to give more money or at least some money to, to develop more in cultural area? Well, I'm not a government man, but <laughs> I, would, I definitely uh, wouldn't bet on it uh, if I were an artist, if I uh, were um, a novelist or any creative uh, person, I wouldn't uh, bet on some governmental support. Yes, there can be and there must be an immediate support of theatres or cinemas and uh, exhibition halls, museums uh, uh, um, for, to help uh, mitigate their losses affected by the lockdown yeah that's that's for sure yeah but it's a it's a crisis response in longer term i think there will be actually less money uh, for culture and um, uh, because because the state will have to resolve uh, much more acute uh, uh, economic problems uh, but uh, um, remember Culture flourished in difficult times, and uh, uh, there might be private donors. Um, there is money out there. The question is whether creative artists will be able to channel it uh, to their own benefits. And here, I would be more skeptical because there is there will be money out there, but there will be less money, and it will have to be spent elsewhere. How do you see the role of Czech Centre and its activities, especially now in the middle of Brexit and, and the, obviously the coronavirus crisis? I always appreciate um, um, uh, the work of uh, Czech centers. I actively participate in it uh, as an invitee, as a guest, and uh, I uh, always uh, uh, consider it my privilege uh, to contribute to the promotion of all things Czech uh, in um, uh, this country or elsewhere in Europe. I cooperated with other Czech centers elsewhere. So I I find its role, its job um, uh, invaluable and extremely important because uh, small countries, small societies, national societies such as ours, uh, uh, they have uh, limited uh, uh, ways of their promotion, but uh, uh, they have a lot to, to offer and uh, we have to uh, shout. To be seen, and I consider Czech centers uh, one of those uh, extremely important shouts that uh, <laughs> you can and you must hear in a big country such as the United Kingdom, where uh, cultures and uh, nations come from all around the world. So um, uh, yes, I uh, I hope uh, uh, that uh, there will be more promotion of uh, Czech culture 
coming through Czech centers in the near future and that uh, we will see more of Czech artists uh, not only in London which is a great hub but even here in uh, Cardiff and in uh, other regional centers around the UK because UK is after all um, a country of many different nations and many different cultures. Absolutely. How do you see the future of the whole society? Will the pandemic make us somehow stronger or has it actually made us weaker? Right. If I were to um, um, uh, use one slightly cynical sociological saying, well, individuals uh, are not too important because uh, they live short time and they are many. Societies, on the other hand, um, take uh, are important because uh, they persist in time, they, they last long time and uh, there are very few and after all there is just one society. Today we live in many respects in one globalized society. So I was teaching a couple of weeks ago a special module on uh, constitutionalism and uh, I had students literally from all around the world. Uh, and so education is global today. I had a chap uh, from Malaysia. I um, uh, had some students from Venezuela, uh, from Hong Kong, I was uh, Turkey, uh, um, Italy, uh, Spain, and so on. So education is global. It will change, but it will advance one way or another. The same for science, the same uh, for um, um, sport, and uh, uh, so we will change as society, but I cannot uh, imagine any death of society, the end of civilization. Civilizations, uh, we love talking about uh, the collapse of civilization, but uh, look how quickly we adapted to the new normal caused by the pandemic. So we will survive. Uh, the way we survive, uh, it's uh, up to us and uh, uh, it's an open contest and challenge. <laughs> On what principles can the society actually function in the future? Societies don't function on principles. <laughs> Societies <laughs> function on uh, communication and uh, different codes of communication. Profit uh, is not a principle. Profit uh, is just something that uh, happens all around uh, and, uh, and uh, helps people orient their economic behavior. People uh, use power and the way they use power is good or bad, but all around the world they want to exercise power politicians and um, uh, I would say that instead of principles moralists and philosophers they talk about principles and usually they come with something so general that nobody can object to it yeah such as human rights uh, dignity uh, or uh, 
um, uh, freedom and uh, equality, harmony, and so on. These are far too general principles, so we cannot use them uh, for our everyday social life. However, uh, if there is uh, uh, something that I hope for, it's that uh, uh, society will remain uh, differentiated and not concentrated into one dogma, one empire, one absolute rule to govern them all. So that, if I were to use the poetic expression, we don't end up in Mordor, but we end up in many different shires all around the world. Says from the United Kingdom, Jiří Přibáň, sociologist, lawyer and professor at the Cardiff University. Thank you for talking to us. Thank you very much for the invitation and uh, I want to wish all the best to all Czech centers, uh, its listeners and uh, people around. 